wisdom, righteousness, justice, holiness, and the opportunity to be together in the house of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, friends, get comfortable because today's New Testament reading is an entire book of the Bible. <laughs> Don't worry, it is the shortest book of the Bible. In fact, it can literally take you longer to find it than to read it. Before reading it to you, I want to note what little we can be certain of about this book, Paul's letter to Philemon. And then I'll lay out a couple of unanswered questions so you can listen with those in mind. First, we are certain that this letter was actually written by the Apostle Paul. He is in prison when he writes it. We don't know why or when or where. A young man named Onesimus has somehow connected with Paul, converted to Christianity, and become Paul's beloved apprentice. And then something, we don't know what, prompts Paul to send Onesimus back to a church leader named Philemon. Stuck in jail, Paul cannot accompany his apprentice, and so he does the next best thing. He writes a letter of support for Onesimus to take to Philemon. Traditional interpretation holds that Onesimus had escaped from enslavement, but Pauline scholar Beth Johnson, a friend from my home church, tells me, I am not at all sure Onesimus has run away from Philemon. All Paul says is that he may have wronged Philemon or owe him a debt. Greco-Roman slavery is so complicated it could be just about anything. What Beth and I both see as the more crucial question is, what does Paul want Philemon to do? Forgive Onesimus? Free Onesimus? or enable Onesimus's continued work with Paul. So that's your first question. As Paul writes on behalf of an enslaved person who's being sent back to the man who's enslaved him, what is Paul's ask? The even more intriguing question is, what happened? Did the letter succeed? If so, this tiny document shows how God gives individuals, Paul, Philemon, Onesimus, us. God gives us all opportunities to enact the justice of God's reign in our own choices. Here now, Paul's letter to Philemon in its entirety. It begins with a classic style of ancient greeting. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, to Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear church friend and co-worker, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, 
do this as an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. One more thing, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This, too, is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you're expecting solid answers to those two questions I asked, sorry. Still, let's explore what we have here. For the first question, Beth Johnson sent me her take on Paul's ask. The critical line in the letter is verse 16 no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. It is considered particularly shameful to enslave one's brother, so I take this as Paul's request that Onesimus be manumitted. Freeing a slave would have cost Philemon, but Paul, paying the high price of being jailed for the gospel, has no qualms saying, you have everything a house big enough to accommodate a church, plus all the privilege that goes with wealth. You have a community, Apphia and Archippus and the rest of us. You have faith, and you have the opportunity to take action that will entail some sacrifice, sure, but it'll nudge the world toward alignment with God. In your relationships, you, can do so much good for Christ. Deliver this young man from slavery. I think that's Paul's ask. What Paul does not ask is, how can we allow the evil that is slavery? He doesn't denounce that appalling sin. And imagine if he had. Imagine if the Bible contained unambiguous condemnation of slavery. Instead, 
Paul's letter to Philemon was used by Southerners to justify the Fugitive Slave Act, which declared that enslaved individuals who escaped far across the Mason-Dixon line could still be returned to bondage. Pro-slavery choices, forces called it the Pauline Mandate. It did untold damage to unknown numbers of people as it perpetuated the rot of America's soul. And it came from this document. Now, if Paul had written an anti-slavery treatise, it might have spelled the end of the nascent church. Rome would not have tolerated some religious sect agitating against its economic backbone. I do not defend Paul's silence on the sin of slavery. I will note that instead of being paralyzed by injustice he couldn't fix, Paul applied himself to what he could do. He could live his faith and inspire others to live their faith by doing all the good that they could do for Christ. It is easy to be paralyzed by all that we can't fix, from the devastation of a hurricane to the devastation of a suicide. Instead, can we do as Paul did? Take seriously the difference God invites us to make, the actions we can take on behalf of others, the sacrifices we can make for a good beyond ourselves, the choices we can make and the steps we can take to help align the world with God. That's Paul's focus as his letter negotiates in the name of Christ. We who are in Christ are called to rise above the world around us. It would be easy for you to continue treating Onesimus as property, but that is counter to God's justice. Instead, recognize this opportunity to embody God's love, to enact all the good that we can do for Christ. Paul did not call for the end of slavery. He wrote on behalf of God's alternative, equality. And he called upon fellow Christians to rise above the norms that surround us and seize every opportunity to embody the reign of Christ in our choices and relationships. As for our other question, what happened to Onesimus? The letter offers clues. It's addressed to Philemon, but also to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. And its sign-off mentions five other people. Paul is building an audience for this drama. Philemon has the power, and therefore the responsibility, to act. But this matter warrants the attention of the whole faith community, all these folks watching Philemon do the right thing. And don't you love that bit at the end? One more thing, prepare a guest room for me. In other words, I plan to come see how this turns out. There's lots of subtle and not so subtle pressuring in the letter. But the single greatest clue to its situation, its outcome, is the existence of the letter. I mean, if I get a letter from my mentor asking me to do X, and I don't do X, 
I'm not going to keep the letter. And this letter survived. Why would someone hold on to this little slip of papyrus? And how was it included in an early collection of Paul's letters, eventually making its way into the Bible? If the letter had failed in its mission and delivered Onesimus to slavery, the letter would not have been kept. If, on the other hand, it delivered Onesimus to freedom, imagine what a treasure it would be to him. And here we sail from hypothesis into pure speculation. Did Onesimus return to work with Paul? Paul writes, I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me. We don't know whether Philemon took the hint or not, but if he did, and a freed Onesimus did return to Paul, then Onesimus might have become a leader in the early church as others mentored by Paul did. Some 50 years later, a Christian named Ignatius was being transported to Rome for execution. He wrote to a bishop of Ephesus using verbiage strikingly similar to the verbiage of this letter to Philemon. It's like Ignatius is, Ignatius is riffing on this letter, almost as if reminding the bishop of something they both know is really important. And this bishop of Ephesus was named Onesimus. That is fact. It's pure speculation to think that a young man converted by the Apostle Paul and perhaps freed from enslavement thanks to Paul's letter on his behalf would then return to serve with Paul, grow in faith, and decades later with that all-important letter still tucked into his wallet, become bishop of Ephesus. Ephesus, the very city where one of the earliest collections of Paul's letters was published, a collection that included this slip of papyrus, the only surviving personal letter of Paul. Did Bishop Onesimus of Ephesus published this letter because he treasured it for five decades, knowing it to be a testimony to what Christ had done through Paul and Philemon, an example of all the good that we can do for Christ. There's no proof of this, and I might as well tell you that Beth Johnson puts no stock in that story. Maybe it's one of those things that Frederick Beekner calls too good not to be true. The memorial claims we made yesterday afternoon on behalf of Kyle Bame are claims too good not to be true. The claim that God's love is stronger than death. The claim that God will wipe away every tear. The Easter claim of resurrection, all of it too good not to be true. And church, I have seen its truth in your care of the BAME family. Faced with the slavery of death, you have not been paralyzed. In this tragedy, you are doing all that we can do for Christ, whether it's a casserole or a tongue-tied word of condolence. And the baptismal promises we will soon make on behalf of Elaine Wilmer 
are promises too good not to be true. The promise that through baptism, God seals the promise of grace to us. The promise that through the incarnate body of Christ that is this congregation, Elaine and her family are nurtured in faith. The promise that through the Holy Spirit, we love God because God first loved us. And even the carefree activities of this weekend, Friday's screen on the green, this morning's Sunday fun day, this afternoon's load-in for Morningside Sings, even those carry glints of God's too good not to be true because they all invite us to be a community of faith, a community of faith that journeys together in order to do all the good that we can do for Christ. It would be easy for us to be paralyzed by all the evils of the world. It would be easy for us to conclude that what we do can't make a difference. It would have been easy for Paul to do that too. Instead, he took seriously that he and Philemon and Onesimus had, like us, opportunities to make choices, create relationships, take actions that embody the justice of, of God, even if it entails sacrifice. Let us do all the good that we can do for Christ. Amen.